You're listening to CRE Deal Flow with Tyson Cross. In this show, we'll talk about what it means to hustle as a broker, investor, and lifelong learner in the world of commercial real estate. There is a proven path to growing a successful commercial real estate business and long-term passive income. And now, here's your host, Tyson Cross. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Tyson, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Uh, today, I'm excited because I have one of my good friends on. Uh, used to be a colleague of mine when I worked at HFO, but today we are talking to Adam Smith. Adam is a multifamily broker in Portland, and uh, we work together at HFO where he currently still works. And he started there in 2017. Right? Yes, yeah. Uh, and just jumped in head first or feet first, and he's just done really well. In fact, he's closed over 160 million in transactions since 2017. So really stoked to have Adam on the show today. We're going to talk a little bit about his business, what he's doing, and uh, hopefully you guys will get some good tips for uh, helping your business and taking it to the next level. So what's up, Adam? Good afternoon, Tyson, to you. <laughs> Thanks Before for being we on, get, man. No, absolutely. I feel like it's overdue. You've been running a podcast for like three years and uh, I never got the invite until today. So yeah, I mean, must have got lost in the mail a couple of uh, times. No, I just think you had more entertaining guests to bring on before me. <laughs> Could be true. Adam <laughs> Adam, and I actually, for those listening, we fish every year. We go fly fishing on the Deschutes River and we've talked about doing this for a while. So I'm stoked that we finally made it happen. Yeah. And we'll just kick it off because, you know, we, we try to keep these pretty short and action packed. But we talked a little bit about before we went on. You are focusing on multifamily, have focused on multifamily since you started. You used to work at Nike before you came over. Maybe just share a little bit about your path to get here, sort of a condensed version. Sure. And and how you think that how that background in the corporate world translated into the brokerage world. Yeah, sure. Um, no. So first off, thanks for having me. Uh, I also want to throw out a massive thank you to you. I don't think I've ever expressly given my gratitude to where I am today. I could not have done this without you. Tyson sat in wow. front of me in a cube for the first year and a half in brokerage. And then uh, I now sit in Tyson's old office. So I feel like uh, good kudos to come out of here and, and I can't thank you enough for being a good mentor. Uh, wow, man, you're welcome. A good friend. So thank you. My path to brokerage kind of started when I was uh, just leaving University of Portland, really wanted to get into commercial real estate of some sort, went and interviewed at five or six different firms. I got six different offers. I said, yeah, come on board. I hope you have six months to a year's worth of savings saved up because that it's going to be that hard. And at the time I was still looking for, you know, Friday's beer money. And so punted <laughs> on that and uh, got a job at Nordstrom uh, selling shoes. And I think that was my first real like love of sales job. Like I just thrived on the pitch, the sale, but it, it was great. I loved it. Grew up, got a job at Nike and spent seven years there in marketing for NFL and Major League Baseball and later Nike Golf. But met my wife there and she and I were kind of doing this on the corporate ladder. And she said, you know, I think you should, the writing's on the wall. I'm going to be your boss. You're also not very good at your job. So you should go, go do something <laughs> else. And so again, interviewed at uh, Half Dozen firms, um, picked the HFO and yeah, I dove right in, was a sponge for the first two years. Absolutely loved it and shocked that I've made it five years in brokerage. Not an easy thing. So blown by. Yeah. Yeah. And you made some good points or a couple comments that probably won't expand on, but you know, the, one of the key things is like, you learned that you like sales when you were selling shoes, right. And kind of learned yeah. the art of the deal, I guess, totally. on a small scale. Did you know that after doing that, like, when did you realize you wanted to get into real estate though? I don't think it was necessarily later? real estate. I 
just wanted to sell more expensive product, yeah. right? I loved kind of the chase and the hunt of, I mean, that sales cycle was five minutes, 10 minutes, right? right? And so- and you're closing, you're probably yeah, closing. Yeah, my closing, I mean, it was rehearsed. It's, you know, yeah. and I loved it and wanted to sell something more expensive. I could be very much here today talking about selling heavy machinery. I enjoy, like genuinely enjoy the chase and the thrill and also just kind of the hunt too. Yeah, it's funny. I, I saw, you know, you and I are both on Twitter and uh, somebody said something the other day, like if you're going to sell something, like sell expensive stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. dude, so true. Like if uh, you're going to totally. sell, go go sell the most expensive thing you can sell, especially in a field like, I mean, what's great about commercial real estate is there's no limit, right? Literally could sell. I mean, it's as hard as you want to work, right? You can have years that yeah. you just crush it. And then there's years where you don't. And it's really about how hard you want to work and your goals and aspirations. When you came over from Nike, was it difficult to find self-motivation in terms of now you're not like being held accountable, right? Because yeah. you're a boss and you're like, hey, you need to be here by, and it's not like that in the corporate world, but like a little bit, right? Um, so now, no, I think my first few months were really rocky. You know, yeah. I kept looking to our office director for like, like, what am I supposed to be doing? Like, how do I spend my day? I figured that out and you taught a lot of that to me, you know, but I remember the first time telling her, I was like, hey, you know, Tuesday, 11 a.m., I got a doctor's appointment or a dentist appointment or whatever it was. She goes, and? and I'm like, well, I won't be here. And she goes, yeah, you're an independent contractor. You can be here. You can not be here. It's right. however you want to use your time. And that that was like an eye-opening thing of like, oh, this could be a really good job. You know, <laughs> uh, this is going to be a good career. I don't have to tell you where I am. Uh, this is going to be yeah, great was, or I'm going to bomb. It's going to be one or the other. <laughs> uh, also, a lot of credit to my wife. I remember in the first year, she, she would come home and she's like, did you make money today? And I realized that it wasn't about like a paycheck, but she goes, did you move a relationship forward? Did you move a deal forward? Did you write mm -hmm. an offer? And that is a, that's a phrase that sticks in my head to this day of, you know, when I go home, did I make money today? You know, yeah. we're closing 10 deals a year, maybe, you know, 20 on the high side in a boom year. So there's not a lot of did you make monies today kind of day? Yeah. I mean, and what's crazy too, is like you can measure when you're in a W2 employee, you get paid every two weeks or whatever, but usually every two weeks. Yeah. You can like work hard or you can work not that hard and you're still going to get paid. Yeah. And I think in this business, it's really difficult because you have to find other ways to measure success because you're not going to measure success, at least in the beginning, by a paycheck. Right. right. For me, that number was uh, cold calls in a week. Yeah. Right. That was a big number that I could go toe to toe with you or the best in the office of because that was the one metric that I could control. You know, so I'd try to crank those calls out. And that was my those were my paycheck, you know, numbers, if you will. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just like you said, so keeping track of like, hey, did you do anything to move the business forward? Did you make a relationship today? If you measure day by day, and that's what I found to be successful, like in this business, if you can focus on the daily activities and just work on each day at a time, like, hey, did I win today? Yeah. Yeah. Did I was today successful? Because if I can back all those days up and say like each day compounds on the next, then I know I'm going to be okay from a, a long distance standpoint. Totally. When you started, and I'm trying to think back, like what was going on at that point, what was your accountability or who held you accountable and how important do you think that is for brokers? I think brokers, a new broker coming into the brokerage world, it's hard. I think that there's like this sexy, like, oh, brokerage is easy. Brokerage is, I'm going to make a bazillion dollars. I made $22,000 in my first full year of being a broker. 
And I was very fortunate to have a wife that supported me through that. That wasn't going to put food on the table or pay the mortgage. And I needed to become very structured very quickly. There were other mentors in, in our office here that, you know, hey, you're successful. I'm going to do exactly what you're going to do. And I kind of, you know, taken bits and pieces of every broker that I've worked with and stolen kind of the best part of their business and tried to emulate that. There's no sense in trying to reinvent the wheel by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about like how you prepare for your yeah. business and you can break it down. I mean, if you want to break it down, like on a more of a macro, like, Hey, this is what I do every year. Or, you know, talk, tell people, maybe if people are listening, who are thinking about getting into brokerage, who maybe aren't in it, or maybe yeah. they are, and they're in early stages going into a market that we're in going yeah. into, you know, because this is going to change who knows, but it's going to be different. Right. Yes. And you and I both didn't start, we, we haven't been through 0809. And so I'm thinking about this for myself, but what sort of things do you do maybe on a daily basis to prepare yourself to succeed every day? Sure. So I, I'll break this down in terms of like day-to-day -day and then kind of bigger picture and, yeah. and work outwards. My day-to-day -day is 9 to 4, 30 in the office, go pick up my son at, uh, from daycare. My metric is 100 phone calls a week. That's 5,200 calls a week. That is currently what I'm striving for and I'll hit it. How many a week? 100 a week. So 5,200 okay. a year. I thought you said um, 5,200 a week. I was like, dude. That's a bit high. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I first started, I think that number was closer to 150 to 200. I was. It was a little bit more turn and burn. It was a little bit more, are you a buyer? Are you a seller? You know, how can I make a quick buck to put money on the table? And now that I'm past that, you know, it's it's more about relationship building and earning your business two years, five years, 10 years down the road, fully recognizing that I'm now entrenched in this business and working for, you know, looking at the, the big picture. I think going back to a day to day, it's I make before bed every single night. And I don't mean that this is like a journal bedside, but I spend about 30 minutes every night planning for the next day. Who do I need to call? Because that's that, as soon as my kids go to bed, that's when I, I kind of I start thinking a little clearer about what needs to happen tomorrow. And so mm -hmm. I put a checklist together of everything that I need to do for the next day. And that includes my 20 phone calls, follow-ups, great ideas that I have late at night about, you know, hey, maybe I can get this over the over the hump this way or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I think consistency is hard. You and I both come from a background where we have a fantastic database. Mm -hmm. So that's a really, really big help. And I think anyone getting into real estate, especially commercial real estate, databases is everything. It's key. You know, and yeah. I, I watch other people, you know, build a business and build call lists based on title report polls. That's hard. So I was very fortunate yeah. to land at a company that in hindsight, because I didn't know what I didn't know, was able to provide that to me. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. Like, I think I've listened to commercial real estate brokers um, and there's a few out there, but they all preach databases like the key foundation piece. And I didn't realize how good it was to step into HFO where there was a database, but not just a database, but one that had been actually refined. Yeah. It's one thing to build a database. It's another to actually, which you, you, which you have done. And it's incredibly hard. And I didn't realize that until I did that. And even now we're not even, I mean, it's not even close to where I want it to be. And so right. it takes years to refine your database. It's, you know, I always say it's a living thing. It's like a living, breathing thing. And, and that's why it's so important that you're continually adding and taking from it and editing it and stuff like that. How important do you think prospecting is um, business to be a good broker? Yeah, I think it's everything. I think getting your name out there is, is the only way that any anyone's going to know to call you when they're ready to sell, right? And so that's what I'm working towards, right? Is having every single owner in a, you know, 150 mile radius know my name. Yeah, but prospecting is different than someone knowing your name, right? Prospecting sure. and marketing. Yes. But I'm saying how important do you think cold calling direct to owner prospecting is in brokerage? That's how every all but that, that's how 95% of my deals have gotten done. Yeah, it is get on the phone, build a relationship, go meet.
meet with them. You know, sometimes you'll catch people on a day. It's like, hey, I need to sell my building. Mid-June, I was the only one in the office on a Friday afternoon. And a gentleman came into our office and literally said, I'd like to sell my building. That's <laughs> That was a first. That was awesome. Um, like and I was the only one here. And so uh, it closes actually next week, which I'm excited about. So that's awesome. That's very rare. <laughs> you're like, you're like, hey, guess what? I'm your guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, we clicked and it was kind of serendipitous. But yeah, prospecting, got to get out there, hit the phones hard and, Why do you and think? Take, take copious notes too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's key. Take copious notes and then put them into the database, right? Like don't just right. write it down and forget. I've done that a lot. I'm like, shit, you? what did I write? No. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think so many brokers like stop prospecting or they because it's hard to do it? It's hard. Yeah. I think you've got to have really thick skin and be able to take a rejection because you're going to ask the same question 10 different times mm-hmm. and you're going to get no's nine the first nine times. Mm-hmm. You're going to be told, you know, colorful language. I don't want to talk to you. Okay. I'll call you again in four months, dude. Right. And it's a different conversation. They don't remember you. You catch them on a better day and it moves forward. I think as humans, we're just scared of that, of being told no. I can't tell you how many times I've, it's not like a million, but like there's been times where you call somebody and they just, they hang up on you and they're like, yeah. dude, leave me the F alone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you call them like a month later and they're the happiest person ever. And they're, and you're like, dude, totally. this, are you the same person? Yes. <laughs> and then you'll call them 30 days from then and, and then it'll sink in and it's like, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go grab coffee. Yeah. And and I think that's the key point that so many of us and including myself, I mean, we're all human, but I think just focusing on the fact that it's not personal, like there's so much stuff that's going on in, in every person's own personal life. Yeah. And for us to make it personal that if we call somebody and we interrupt them and then we say, Hey, are you interested in selling your property in the next 12 months? And they tell me to F off. I mean, that's a little, I've never really had someone actually say that, but like if they're just rude or they hang up on you, right. For us to take that as personal attack, it's kind of like, it's ridiculous that we would think it's about us, right? when we're the ones calling them, interrupting them. Right. I mean, you got to then come at it from a different approach 30 days later of, okay, a rent survey didn't work. I'm going to call them about legislation. I'm going to call them about a a sales company. And on the fifth topic, you don't know what that topic is. That's a hot button for them. They say yes, they open up. Yeah. uh, And that's how you start a relationship. Do you think some brokers call and they're too soft on the phone? Can you be too soft versus overly? So I think I am too soft. I am. I assume that everyone has the best of intentions. And when they say, I'll call you if I need anything. Great. I'll just wait for your phone call. And I think that there's part of a learning experience as both a human and as a broker is recognizing when, when to be the sharp end of the stick and ask for the listing, be aggressive. You know, Hey, I've been talking to so-and-so at XYZ firm. Great. Hey, this is why you shouldn't list with them. This is, let me add some value. Let's get together. I'm not a sharp tactical hunter, if you will. I'm more Mm -hmm. of a, the Mr. Nice guy. And I think this is, I think where you come from as well. I think you are a relationship guy, but you know exactly when to turn on the let's go today mentality of, you know, not just being a fly on the wall kind of a personality. Yeah, it's hard though. Like there's been periods where I'm like, what am I doing? I'm not asking for the business, right? Right. And you have to, I mean, you can get complacent just like in anything. And I think it's important to continue to sort of evaluate how you're doing things because you could be calling for six months and you're like, what's going on? I'm not getting any meetings. I'm not asking for the business. And it could be just a 
simple like looking at your call and like, am I actually, what, what am I saying on the phone that's getting these person to move or to want to do business with me? And so, right. yeah, I mean, I think that's incredibly important to continue to like evaluate, you know, I think that there's on the flip side too, I think coming from the broker that just wants to call and say, Hey, like, are you interested in selling? And then that's the call. That's such a hard business to sustain because you don't, you're never going to move that ball forward. You know? Right. If I had the skills today that, that I, for when I started at HFO, I would recognize when to ask for the business, when to be poignant and when to be, I may burn the relationship, but I asked for the business when it needed to be asked for. Right. I think I would have made more than the 22 grand a year, Yeah. Um, but you don't know what you don't know. Right. Don't broker differently than how you are as a human. Right. Yeah. Like, great advice. I'm, I am the same person I am as a broker as I am as a person. Yeah. And I think that's important. You know, I'm a relationship person and, and I enjoy watching people grow and I hope that they enjoy watching me grow as a broker too. So yeah, that's really good advice. I can't tell you how many times I've said that to some of the younger guys too, when, especially when they're learning how to cold call yeah. and you know, we were trained from a very good broker, a brokerage company that has really good sales training. And so they try to fit you into this mold and it's like, Hey, this is the structure of the call. This is how you should take the call. Right. You know, tell some of these younger guys, I'm like, Hey, it's great to take all that and like absorb it because that is really good foundation for how to make a cold call. But at the end of the day, you have to be yourself on the phone. Because if you're not, if you're not your authentic self, people will pick up on that. And then you're not going to be successful. You right. have to take that stuff that's like tried and proven and true and then adapt your own authentic voice to it. And then that's really what's going to make you successful. Throw a question out to you. You know, over the years, you've bought and sold your own deals. I have to this date not bought a personal deal for myself. I've syndicated with some groups and that's going yeah. very well. And there's no wrong way to do it. Right. Yeah. But how do you as a broker and as an owner calling prospective clients of deals that you, you know, for the right price, Tyson's a buyer, right? How do you balance that in an environment where, you know, you want to buy it, that's option one. You want to list it, that's option two. Yeah. How do you really balance those two as, as a buyer and as an advisor? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think there's a lot of viewpoints on this, both on both sides. I'm respectful of all sides. I know that there's multiple answers to this, but the way I view it is when I'm calling somebody, first and foremost, I'm a broker. So I have a fiduciary yeah. responsibility to them to, you know, act in their best interest. So if somebody's like, say, hey, I want to sell, I want to get the highest price. Great. Let's get together. Let's figure out what that's worth. And then let's go to market. I mean, we're listing brokers. I always say this, we're listing brokers. We're not buyer brokers. And, yeah. you know, just like HFO, you guys are listing brokers. We look to help people maximize their sale proceeds. The only way that you can do that is list the property. And so first and foremost, it's always that way. When I was at HFO and I was doing multifamily, I was prospecting for parks in other states. I was saying, hey, I'm a buyer. I'm looking for something to buy. Right. My family, you know, my wife and I are looking for something. So first and foremost, you know, if I'm calling prospects, it's always from the broker hat. And so I think there are situations where, you know, I've gotten to know some clients very well mm -hmm. and they haven't been sellers, but they became a seller. In fact, we have one right now that we're closing on. And I said, Hey, look, I'd be interested in buying this. Right. Yeah. And you know, we're paying more than a fair price in my opinion. In fact, it's probably worth less than what we're paying just because of the market, but it's always about being above board, being a, you know, a fiduciary and respecting that first and foremost. And then like, I've always tried to operate my business from 100% integrity. There's nothing else besides that. And so, I mean, there's a way to do it. I know that some guys don't want to buy the same product that they sell because there's a conflict of interest, but I think you can do that. You just have to be completely transparent and honest. Yeah, with that's people, a good point. You know, you're good at um, that. I mean, every broker, most, bro I shouldn't say every, but you know, a yeah, lot of brokers don't, don't, buy. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I, sh I won't because that's a gross overgeneralization. But there are a lot of brokers, you know, that get into this business to own property, right? right? It's why I got into it. I think it's one reason you got into it. And so we are doing this work primarily because we want to be in the seat of, of the people that we're calling. And so there's a right way to do that. And there's a wrong way to do that. So I think you can do it the right yeah, way. Yeah, I was going to ask you, that was a good question. You totally... <laughs> Maybe you lose my train of thought. I mean, what Whoops. are your thoughts on that since we're on the topic? No, I mean, I'm looking to you. I think uh, being above board on everything you do is the best thing you Paramount. can do in your brokerage business. Just be yeah. honest. Um, and I don't, I know that sounds easy, but it's not, you know? And I think it's, that will get you a long way is just being genuine, right? You are a connector of dots when you boil it down, right? Mm -hmm. You know the information on the property. You can find a buyer. You're connecting the buyer and seller. And it doesn't need to be more confusing than that. You know, it's, just it takes a lot of work to get to that point where you're connecting those dots easily and that's when it becomes really fun in brokerage when you can take a property take a property address and price and you can quickly come up with five names of people you should call that would be logical buyers that's when it gets yeah. really fun yeah so uh, knowing that we've got a little bit of time left i mean yeah i said this earlier you and i didn't haven't been around since you know we didn't go through the 0809 market shift it feels like things are shifting a bit you know and i don't want to be too doomsday but you know it does seem like things are going to be a little bit different certainly yeah. heading into 2023 how are you looking at the business next year and are there things you're you're thinking about doing differently what conversations are you guys having over there and and what does that look like sure uh no 2023 is going to be very different you know 2021 was was a fantastic market and you know we, everyone did well and mm -hmm. I think that it probably brought a lot of new faces into brokerage thinking, oh, this, this is easy. And I think this is where you in 2023 and beyond, I think this is where brokers earn their keep in terms of, you know, just simply connecting the dots. You know, one thing that I'm doing differently and, and kind of my first cold call that, that I started about two weeks ago is just calling on debt. Be like, hey, you know, you bought your building four years ago. Is your note due this year? Did you take out seven-year money or 10-year money, right? And so calling on that, not as a, do you need to buy, do you need to sell, but like, how healthy are you debt wise? Because, you know, I don't have a crystal ball and I've talked to three different mortgage brokers and a, somebody who has a friend of a friend at the Fed and no one knows where, where we're going. And, and I don't profess to know it either, um, but I can give people options of where I think that they should go. You know, so going a bit further, my cold calls right now are, you know, hey, are you a buyer? No, I'm not a buyer. Rates are too high. Okay. Are you a seller? No, you know, cap rates are up. That's a tough environment to be in right now, right? I think you've got a pretty big healthy spread between buyer's expectations and seller's expectations. And I think those will close as interest rates stabilize, regardless of what number they stabilize at. You know, it could be seven, but at some point those that those buyers and sellers are going to meet, right? Mm -hmm. You're always going to have sales due to death, divorce, taxes, and outside forces. But furthermore, I think, you know, if you're doing an exchange, you're selling apples for apples. I don't care if your price per unit went from 200 to 100, mm -hmm. the building you're acquiring is suffered the same outside forces. So yeah, the debt's a, a bit more expensive, but let's make it work. You know, I tell people, what do you think's the best time to buy at when everybody wants to buy or when you're the only buyer? Mm -hmm. So I think there's going to be a lot of people in the room that a couple of years from now look really smart. Mm -hmm. I don't know which group that is yet, but the market has shifted quickly and be nice to your mortgage broker. Yeah. Speaking of which, I think, I mean, working with a mortgage broker, I think is just, I don't know why anyone wouldn't do it these days. 
First of all, why do you want to go source your own debt? Sounds uh, awful. No, no. shameless plug for Tim Steele. Tim Steele. There you go. <laughs> fly fishermen as well. Yeah, I mean, you, you bring up a good point too, because if you're selling in this market and you're also going to exchange and buy into the same market, right. theoretically, you should be selling and buying, you know, at similar- Similar um, values. Similar values cap rates. Cap yeah. Rates, right? You know, what a, Oregon just released 2023's maximum allowable rent increase, 14.6%. A lot of cap rate deficiencies can be solved with under market rents. I mean, yeah. we have seen year over year double digit increases and I don't see that slowing down given how slow we are to build. We can't build our way out of this. Yeah. Are you going to make more calls next year or are you adjusting your expectations or are you just going to double down on what you need to do in order to try to achieve the same? Um, not more? I think I am going to tweak my business a bit. I have a kind of an internal list of my top 200 clients, folks who I do work with, folks who I do want to work with. Yep. Um, I'm going to focus harder on those folks because I think those are going to be the movers and the shakers. Yeah. And I'll be honest, you know, holidays from Thanksgiving to Christmas are typically slow Yeah. Uh, in brokerage world. Yeah. I'm not going to abandon my my phone, but I'm going to take some time off. I think that this is a good time in the market to step back and uh, spend some time with family over the holidays and then hit it hard January 1st. Yeah. And I think I was going to ask you just, I mean, trying to keep it short, but this is a good question because I often struggle with this too. You know, yeah. speaking of your family, I mean, it's so hard to be, you know, great at both. I think, I mean, I'll say it's so hard to be great at both. It's just, there's a lot of push and pull, yeah. right? I mean, you've done a really good job balancing Thank the you. both and maybe you can share a little bit if, if you'd like, but yeah. was that easy for you? How did you come to figuring out what worked for you because like i um, struggle with that yeah balance is hard right you want to be the best at everything and be everything to everybody i had uh two kids during the pandemic my son was born in may of 2020 and my daughter's birth first birthday is today nice. and I, I think i'm very fortunate that i've kind of you know i've made it through the first year of brokerage where i kind of anticipate an ebb and flow and have a mm -hmm. pipeline that's robust enough to say you know what this is what i've got for the next six months that's incoming and, and this is what i'm expecting i think i'm now in my late thirties. And I recognize that family comes first and, and spending time with my kids means absolutely everything to me. And I'm not saying that brokerage comes second, but I guess if you put your kids as a priority, brokerage does come second, but that forces me to work harder and smarter with my time that I do have, right? Yeah. I'm not the guy who's going to be in here banging the phones for 60 hours a week, but I am going to go meet with you and do every single bit of handholding that needs to be done on a deal. Yeah. It's, it's really about efficiency with your time, right? Time yeah. management. Yeah. Cause there's really only in my mind, like three or four important things that we really need to do every day. And especially where you and I both work, we have a really good support staff. So a lot of the admin yeah. stuff is taken off our plate. Yeah. And so if you factor that in and you're like, look, if I just get in and I make my 20 calls or 30 calls or whatever it is for your number yeah. and I get my deal management stuff done and I, you know, maybe work on an hour of marketing stuff to push the presence business forward, then you can get out of there in a certain yeah. period of time. Right. And I think so many of us, including myself, get caught up in like, what the hell did I do today? You know, I'm like, I just wasted three hours. What was I really doing? Yeah, no, I mean, one of the metrics that I like to boil down is dollars per dial, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of how many calls did I make for the year and how much did I make for the year? Yeah. Um, and that started with, when I was at Nordstrom, they had a kind of a metric called sales per hour and I worked part-time. So mm -hmm. I was the highest sales per hour salesperson in the shoe department at downtown Portland Nordstrom for a good two years straight. Nice. And that's how I break my phone calls down now is yeah. how can I make my dollars per call go up? Mm -hmm. Right. And that's the ultimate goal is to, I want to say retire, but you know, be more value every time you pick up the phone. Do you track, do you still track your numbers? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then do you, when you're out of the office, like if you go on vacation, do you put an away message up? No. Okay. 
I have not so put I, an away message out in five years. I've never done that since I started. Should we? Huh? Should we be? Well, so here's the thing. So I saw Lee do it. Uh-huh. Like kind of poked fun at him. I was like, dude, are you serious? You're away. <laughs> I was like, what if I want to sell my building? <laughs> and he's like, dude, I'm out of the office. I'm with my family. I'm not trying to check my email. No, he's good at that. Yeah, he is. And I, so I was like, you know what? That's actually a good point. So I did it. And I kind of like had to, because I was out of cell service. So it was like, I may as well put that on my email. If I'm not even cell service, I may as well put that on my email. Cause I'm not checking my email. And should, uh, should, I did we it. We should hold each other to that next time we go fishing together. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. But yeah. when I came back, I was super glad I did it because nothing happened to where it wasn't like an emergency. There was no fire drill yeah. and I totally checked out and it was good. Cause so often, like when I leave or go on vacation, I'm constantly checking email and it's not you're not really like checking out you know so it's not really vacation in my mind it's like a work vacation and then your wife gets pissed at you or yeah. my wife gets mad at me so i think that's I a big th- thing big thing for growing as a broker in terms of hey it's 5 30 we're sitting down to dinner i don't need to pick up this unknown number yeah yeah not because that's hard totally yeah. but i think that you know people aren't like they're not going to hold be like dude you didn't get back to my email i'm not going to work with you i just don't think we're at that i mean and that's the if that's the case then maybe it's maybe i don't want to work with them exactly yeah. yeah. Cool, man. We're about 40 minutes in. goes pretty quick. This constituted basically a happy hour that's overdue between the two of us, too. So. <laughs> yeah. If we were cooler, we'd have we'd be doing this in person with a cocktail in hand. We'll do that next time. Do it next week, bud. Sounds good, man. Any last words of, I don't know, anything you want to share with maybe there's like a first time, first year broker, somebody who's thinking about getting into the business, maybe somebody who's thinking about the market in 2023 and just going like, what am I going to do? Yeah. I think 2023 is going to be tough. But what I'd tell anybody contemplating real estate is find a good mentor. Yeah. Find somebody who is smarter and works mm-hmm. harder than you and, and go to them and and either do exactly what they're doing or do exactly what they tell you to do. And I think that that's the best way to get into business. I've had some great mentors here and that's <laughs> why I am still here and will probably never leave yep. is because I love the people I work with. I'm disappointed as hell that you left, but uh, I have your desk now. So yeah, it's good mojo. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah you, you work with some great people over there, no doubt. And just to be clear, in case we forgot this earlier, but Adam sells multifamily in Oregon. So if you need to sell multifamily and you're in Oregon, you need to call Adam and we'll put your info in the show notes. We'll just put your email. We will cool. put your cell phone out there for everybody to. Oh, absolutely. You should. Spam you. Yeah. But um, yeah, you can, and we'll put his LinkedIn and stuff like that so you can connect with him. But uh, Adam, appreciate your time, man. Thanks for being on the show and yeah, let's get a drink. Sounds good, dude. All right. Thanks for having me. Bye. You got it.